Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Now, from BetQL, it's time for the Daily Tip with Michael Jenkins. Dang it, he's talented. And let's be honest, I go for ambition, not look. And Chelsea Messenger. Don't kill the messenger, or the messenger will kill you. Hey, Dad, don't forget about me, the dunkster. Presented by BetMGM. Here we go. It is the Daily Tip from BetQL presented by BetMGM on a Tuesday. Good morning to you. Coming up in the next three hours. All right, basketball. Now you get the stage all to yourself. We'll begin by looking at action from the NBA last night. Then at 620, we will talk some football as well. Did the Niners make the wrong call on the coin flip in overtime? Does it even matter? Hear what the players have to say about that before we join my next foot corner at 6.40, a new segment there. At 7 o'clock, we head back to the hardwood with everything from today's schedule in the association to some all-star game futures as well. And finally, at 8.20, BJ Classer from BetQL Send It In will give us his betting card on this Tuesday before our best bets at 8.40. Chelsea, it is a Tuesday. Good morning to you. What's going on there in Nashville? Good morning. We had a busy day at the household yesterday because my daughter has her big Valentine's Day party at Mother's Day out today. So we did like the little Valentine's and we had to get everybody's little box or everybody's little uh, treat bag ready. So that was like nostalgic because Mm -hmm. I do feel like Valentine's Day peaked when you're in like grade school or when you're a kid because like everybody (laughs) has to give you Valentine's. And it has like no romantic connotation really to it when you're like really young and just getting all the different types of candy and making those cute little mailboxes. So that was fun last night. Do you remember your first crush where you sent someone a Valentine's? You're like, Ooh, I think I like this guy, but is it super innocent? You know, you just hand him a Valentine and there's not a lot to it. It's pretty superficial, but you really like somebody. I think it's like you go through the little Valentines and you know what I'm talking about, like the little cards. Oh, yeah. And you pick the best one. You're like, ooh, this one's the best. I'm going to give it to him. And like, obviously, <laughs> yeah. he's not going to notice any difference from the other Valentines. But in your heart, you know, you're like, he got the best one. <laughs> I, I, love the, I love that sort of innocence about stuff like that, where that's as deep as it goes. It's just that the best one goes to this guy or to this girl because that's my favorite and that's the way it is so there's something simple about that i like that a lot 
Man, it's good to be with you on a Tuesday. I am finally up this morning because yesterday, oh my God, I could not get going because we were up so late watching the Super Bowl. So it's nice to get a decent night's sleep. And we'll talk about what happened yesterday in the NBA. First, let's go over our best bets, Chelsea. We're going to start with you. And you've been close, but last night just didn't come home. Yeah, last one at least wasn't a bad beat. Like it was a That's true. And I was following this game. Uh, it was Grambling State minus eight and a half over, I think it was Alabama AM, uh, a school like that where you can't really watch on TV. And listen, I got the best line. This was eight and a half during the show. It closed at nine. So clearly there were other people on this bet, but I was checking in the halftime stats for shooting for Grambling State, or maybe this was a little after halftime. They shot 25% from the field, one of 13 from the three-point line. So it was not a great shooting night. I think when I checked in, they had like 16 points. And I was like, uh-oh, this is going to be an L. So lately, the bets have felt like punches in the stomach. And I wish we didn't have to give out bets every single day on the show because this is where yeah. I would take a break. And I think that is a good PSA. If it's been a long football season for you and you've been betting mm-hmm. each and every week, maybe it's time to take a breather and say, okay, we need a mental reset. Unfortunately, we do not have the pleasure of doing that here on the show. But if I could take a break, I very much would. Well, that's all right. It does happen. You know how it goes. You were red hot in college basketball for a while. You have a little bit of regression, but you're fine. And also, I get that too, right? There's nothing worse when Look, it's part of our jobs here. We have to give out best bets. But some days, you just don't like the card. And it doesn't matter how many games there are on there. So even if you love to bet, that's a very good public service announcement, as you put it. Sometimes the best bet is not to make a bet at all. I got a win yesterday on the ice. Thankfully, had Flames Rangers under six and a hook, minus 130. The Rangers win to nothing. These unders have been coming home. I don't know. I don't necessarily like betting hockey unders, but the play is the play, so got lucky there. As for the Donkster, cooled off a little bit. He had a monster couple weeks, but a couple of losses last night. Had to be, well, had to be tough to finally bet on the Knights in Vegas at minus 140, I love that pick. I didn't make it myself, but they get beat by the Wild 5-3. And then the Dongster was laying four and a half with the Clippers against the T-Wolves. The T-Wolves win 121-100. So it is early in the week. You're 0-1-1. I'm 1-0, and the Dongster is 0-2. It is the Daily Tip from BetQL, presented by Bet and Jim. Thanks for being along with us. We are live across the country from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. in the East. And let's start with a little NBA action last night in Toronto where the San Antonio Spurs stunned the Raptors 122.99. The Spurs were getting six. They're plus 205 on the money line. Total set at 236 and a half. The under hits. What a night for Victor Wimbanyama. Scores 27 points, 14 rebounds, blocks a career-high 10 shots for only the second triple-double of his career. Also adds five assists in 28 minutes. And you talk about great company. He becomes just the fourth rookie since David Robinson in 1990 to record a triple-double with 10 blocks. So we already know that he's going to be a superstar if he's not already there. But once again, he has those nights like last night, Chelsea, where he just he raises the level of his game even more. I think this is somebody where you need to watch the, the highlights yourself. Because it's almost too good to be true. You see it on the stat sheet, and you're like, oh, another good night from Wimby. But it is absolutely wild to me the way that he moves. To be that tall and have 
the I don't even want to call it grace, but he's just so smooth. Some mm-hmm. of these blocks, it looks like he's playing high schoolers, which I know the Toronto Raptors are not fielding the most, you know, competitive team right now since they trade away most of their best players. But still, it just looks too easy for Wemby. And then we also need to talk about his outfit before the game. Did you see this monstrosity of a no. costume that he wore to the game? Oh my goodness. Like, think about how tall Victor Wimignan is. What is he, 7'3 or something? Yeah. He had on an all black, I think it was leather, along with like this ski mask. So you couldn't see a single inch of his skin. Like, imagine if you're like some kid that's like roaming around down in the halls and you see this creature. I think this would be nightmare fuel. This outfit was insane. And I guess it fit the bill. You know, when you have 10 blocks, you are going to be haunting the nightmares of Toronto Raptors players, for sure. Oh, my God. I'm looking at this right now. This is nightmare fuel. He looks like he's about to go on some sort of killing spree. Why would you ever wear this? Also, you can't hide from anybody. How tall is Wimby? Eight foot nine. Like, he's so tall. Like, if he's walking down the street, you're like, hey, who's that skinny guy walking into the NBA arena? That's Victor Wimanyama right there. I like style. I appreciate good fashion. I am certainly not the person to ask about fashion, but I would say wearing a ski mask where you look like you're going to murder somebody is just not not a look that I want to be associated with. But that's me. I think this would just scare me just from the sheer size of, you know, his body and the way he is shaped because already, like, I think we can say he's a freak of nature. Like, I'm not saying that in a mean way, but clearly he's using it to his advantage at least. But I don't know. He did really well in this game. So we might see some more of these nightmare fuel outfits, unfortunately. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, the Spurs do finally end their seven-game losing streak, Chelsea. They had not won a game since beating the Timberwolves back on January 27th. So this went a long time coming. In Milwaukee, the Bucks beat the Nuggets 112.95. The Bucks minus one. Bucks minus 115. Total set at 229 and a hook. The under hits. Giannis, 26 points, 38 rebounds, or 36 points, I should say. Damian Lillard scores 18. Bobby Portis with 13 and eight boards off the bench. The Bucs, you know, they brought in Doc Rivers to improve the team's defense, and they haven't really been healthy. But maybe now, Chelsea, we're starting to see that take place because for the first time all season, the Bucs allow fewer than 100 points in back-to-back games. They've also won their last two games by a combined 53 points. So like anything, it takes a while for a team to come together and to stay healthy, and it's still early on in the tenure for doc rivers but maybe they're finally starting to figure it out maybe or maybe it was just an off game by the denver nuggets but i will say from a betting standpoint i had like the squarest angle on this one and i felt like it came through like maybe it wasn't just you know as simple as that but when you see two superstars kind of going off and squaring off against one another it feels like those are the nights where you look at the points props and normally we are getting super high you know, points props for the stars. Like, I'm not even sure if Nikola Jokic got his because his final line was 29, 12, and 8. But Giannis, 36 points in this one. I would imagine his points prop could not have been higher than 32 and a half, 34 and a half. Sometimes these are the statement games for the superstars that want uh, to prove a point that they are one of the guys that should be in the MVP discussion because Giannis, Giannis is just as good is, you know, some of these guys that are in the MVP discussion, it's just the the Bucks have kind of been on a downward trajectory. So I was not shocked to see a big game from Giannis.
Yeah, and to be fair, now the Joker did have 29 points, 12 boards for the Nuggets, but Jamal Murray played only 18 minutes in this game. He left because of shin splints in the second quarter, and then Contavious Caldwell-Pope, he left the game early with tightness in his hamstring. That's something he's been dealing with as well. So an impressive win, but certainly the Nuggets not at full strength, which has been an issue for the Bucks over the past couple of weeks as well. In Utah, the Warriors handle the Jazz, 129-107. Warriors laying a point. Warriors minus 120 on the money line. Total set at 240.5. The under hits, at least for one night. We went back in time because the Splash Brothers were back. Clay Thompson, 26 points. Steph Curry, 25. Also hit five three-pointers in the fourth quarter alone. And all of a sudden, the Warriors have won five straight. And Draymond Mm -hmm. Green was talking after the game, and I had to read into this quote, but I see the point he was making. It's hard for me not to have an instant gag reflex when Draymond talks because he always makes it about him. But I, I thought he did make a very astute point, which was when he got suspended, not that he wanted to get suspended, but it really forced the Warriors to rework and re-examine how they wanted to do things because they've had the same core for so long. And now that he's being reintegrated back into the lineup, maybe it's made the Warriors better because they had to explore. Yeah, I think when you have a low point like that, it is kind of like the bottoming out that you need to sit there and really examine what's going wrong with your team. So I think that's kind of what it did for the Warriors because it was a really brutal stretch, Uh, not only with the whole Draymond Green thing, the assistant coach dying. So it was just a really bad stretch for the Warriors. But don't look now. It feels like a team that's going to slide just right into the postseason. Right now sitting in the 10 spot in the Western Conference, uh, seven and three in their last 10, as you mentioned, winners of five straight. All they got to do is make it in. It does feel like they're an older team, so the play-in is not necessarily – the best route to a deep uh, Mm -hmm. postseason run. But we saw this with the Lakers last year, a team that was very much sandbagging for most of the season, hovering around 500, and then making a run all the way to, what was it, the Western Conference Finals? So maybe the Warriors fit that bill. And it's really hard, I think, for people to separate, you know, mentalities when it comes to other sports. Because look at what the Chiefs did this year. Didn't this look like a team that was bottoming out in the middle of the season? Albeit it wasn't as bad as the Warriors, and I do think that the Chiefs were a much better team. But do you get what I'm saying? When you have yeah. those brand-name superstars and you know that playoff experience, it is really difficult for people to count you out. So if you're a team that you know is going to be one of those top seeds in the Western Conference, probably not a team you want to face in the postseason. No, not especially if they continue down this path. And we should mention head coach Steve Kerr, not at this game. He was in Serbia attending the funeral of assistant coach Dejan Milojovic, who passed away on January 17th. He will be back shortly. In college basketball last night, Texas Tech just crushed number six Kansas, 76 to 50 in Lubbock. Texas Tech laying three and a half points. Red Raiders minus 165 on the money line. Total set at 143. The under hits. Darian Williams. A career-high 30 points, 11 boards, goes 12 of 12 from the floor. So he becomes the first player in 25 years to have a 30-point, 10-rebound game against a ranked opponent while also being perfect from the field. And Bill Self so frustrated in this game, he was ejected for the first time ever in his 21 years at Kansas. Kansas suffering its largest margin of defeat against an unranked opponent since 1950 if that were happening to my team i'd get ejected too. go to the locker room early 
this line was a little trappy. And Bill and I were talking about mm-hmm. this game yesterday in between breaks and saying, hmm, Kansas, what are they getting? Two and a half here? And it goes against that trend against, in betting, we've seen this. Unranked teams laying points against a ranked team, your little red flag should be shooting up and saying, okay, something is a little fishy here. So from a betting standpoint, you know, the fact that you see Texas Tech laying three and a half against a very good Kansas team, maybe that was your sign to stay away from this game. Yeah, man. I tell you what, unranked teams now nine and three straight up against top 10 teams this year. It's especially in the Big 12. We see this happen a lot across college basketball. I know we talked about that, but particularly in the Big 12, it has been a trend worth following. Coming up next here on the show, it might be Tuesday, but now we're learning about the 49ers and what they did not know in overtime on Sunday. We're going to talk about that and so much more. It is Daily Tip for Back to All presented by Madam Jim. Great to have you with us on a Tuesday. Stay right there. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the Daily Tip presented by Bet MGM on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to the Daily Tip presented by Bet MGM with Michael Jenkins and Chelsea Messenger on the BetQL Network. Presented by BetMGM. Good morning to you. Coming up, the 49ers play by the rules on Sunday, but did they know them? <laughs> Chelsea, you put in the chat, you feel like you need to be wearing Vans. That's about right. Doesn't this sound like 90s rock to you? Yeah, I feel like I need to be walking into a pack sun. But I did like this genre of music, and I'm not sure if it exists anymore. Like, I'm sure all these bands are still around. Yeah. It's just not anywhere as popular as it used to be like what was it called not not punk rock it was it like was more like alternative rock. rock yeah ska a little bit but it was sort of alt rock at the time and now that encapsulates like a lot of different genres but it was a different type of rock it was kind of grunge but that wasn't really grunge it became alternative rock and then that sort of branched out and became different so yeah this is what I loved listening to in high school. I would listen to like bands from California and act like I was like on the OC. And meanwhile, I was in Gallatin, Tennessee, you know, 15 <laughs> minutes late to my art class. But I had art for my first period, my last semester of high school. So like my teacher was really cool. As you'd imagine, like most art teachers are, they're very laid back. So yeah. I'd roll in like 15 minutes late. I would put in my headphones and I would paint just listening to this music. It was awesome. Oh, that is great. How big is Gallatin, by the way? Um, To put it in perspective, we are the largest division of public schools. Like, it goes all the way to 5A. So, like, we were a okay. big school. So, like, Gallatin itself is not, like, a huge town, but we had a lot of students. Like, I don't think okay. it's anywhere as big as, like, the biggest schools in Texas, but like we yeah. were the biggest division. So like it wasn't like I had like 15 kids in my grade. I think I had probably 300 kids in my grade. It was relatively okay. big. 
Yeah. Okay. I was just curious because I don't think I've heard a Gallatin reference on this show before. So I had to get some perspective there. I always love to, especially whether it's a small town or not, like sometimes you find teachers who just sort of trust you as a student and they know either they're artsy enough or they, they have enough confidence in you as a student that they give you a little bit of leeway because they know that you're intelligent enough to not take advantage of that. Does that make sense? Because that happened to me all the time in high school where I don't want to say I got away with anything, but because it's such a small town and everyone knew everyone, like I'd already established like, okay, you can give me some leeway. Let me do some creative things. And that's just part of me being creative. I'm not going to mail it in. And I love that. Right. As opposed to the teachers who were kind of on a power trip and you do like one like little nitpick thing wrong and like you're suspended, your shorts were (laughs) too short. And I'm like, come on, like I'm sending in my college applications. I'm getting a scholarship for swimming. And just because I wore some basketball shorts that were too, you know, two inches above my knee. Come on, man. Like, it's one thing if I was wearing like little tiny skirts or something, but I literally mailed it in my last semester. I would wear basketball shorts every day and a T-shirt. And I'm like, come on. Like the cheerleaders wear this every Friday and you're going to shake your fist at me. Like, at least I'm doing good things for the school. Like, I'm getting a scholarship. You know, I'm winning these competitions. But no, it was like, Chelsea, detention for you. And I was like, cool, at least I'll be comfortable. Oh, my God. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll sit in detention in my basketball shorts, and I'll be the most comfortable person in here. And guess what? Next week, I'm wearing them again. Good for you. Sticking it to the man. Completely unfair. We have to keep talking about what we saw on Sunday in the Super Bowl, And it's really interesting to me that this is continuing to get some run. So of course we know the game went into overtime and the overtime playoff rules in the NFL, in the playoffs, in the Super Bowl, they are different than the regular season, but the 49ers players, or at least a lot of them are admitting they weren't aware of how the rules differed from the regular season. Here's Niners fullback, Kyle Juszczyk. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus even realize that the the playoff rules were different in overtime so i i assumed you just want the ball because you score a touchdown and win but i guess that's not the case um so i don't really i don't totally know the strategy there no we haven't talked about it no he's certainly not the only one niners defensive end eric armstead learned of how the rules played out based on looking up at the screens the video screens at Allegiant stadium I didn't even know about the new overtime, uh, playoff overtime rule, so it was a surprise to me. Um, yeah, I didn't even 
didn't know what was going on in terms of that. I, they put on the, the scoreboard, and everyone was like, oh, even if you score, they get a chance still. So. so here's my question to you. There's being a lot made of this, and a lot of people are killing the Niners and killing Kyle Shanahan for making this decision to take the ball instead of deferring. Is this a big deal that the Niners players didn't know and that he decided to take the ball in overtime? I don't think it would have mattered, but I do think the optics are bad. The fact that your own team doesn't know the rules, and then you see the contrast with the Kansas City Chiefs, who I don't know if you saw them talking about overtime. They said, yeah, we've been practicing this situation for the entire year. You know, so they had plays locked and loaded and nobody was looking up at the scoreboard and wondering what the hell's going on. So I just think the optics are bad because it doesn't matter what kind of job you have. It does feel like if you are in this big of a situation, you need to practice every single possible outcome, no matter how rare. And it does feel like over overtime, like it's not that, that rare. So like you at least need to be prepared and your team needs to be ready to roll when overtime rolls around. And I'll say this. It's just the nature of sports talk radio and sports talk TV mm -hmm. that we have an entire offseason to digest the Super Bowl. So, like, there's going to be things talked about. And it does feel like yes. this is going to be the one for the 49ers. I have to say this really gets on my nerves a lot this whole discussion. It's interesting. There's no question about it. And I, I absolutely agree with the idea that the Niners players should have known the overtime rules. That goes back to the coaching and the coaching staff. So the fact that the Chiefs had been practicing this, knew this during the offseason, is absolutely a, it is a, a barometer, I think, on how advanced Andy Reid is as a coach and how good he is as a head coach, one of the best to ever do it. I'll also say this, and Brian Burke of ESPN ran simulation models when the league first announced these rule changes in overtime. This is his quote. If the team with the second possession goes for two subsequent to a matching touchdown, so going for two, the team with the first possession wins 50.19% of the time, very slight difference. Bottom line, based on the results, You'd want first possession, and you'd want to go for two on a second possession TD. That was the strategy that Kyle Shanahan took. Now, you can argue back and forth, and you can say, well, the Chiefs knew, the Niners didn't. Maybe that affected their play. But if you look at the numbers, Chelsea, the numbers say, just like you have a coin flip in overtime, this is a coin flip. And I, I feel like we're ignoring that there was an entire game before this coin flip and before overtime, like it doesn't matter. And that if the Niners had deferred, all of a sudden they just win this game. Yeah, I don't think it would have mattered. I think it's more the optics of it. And so maybe in the future, you have a little powwow after the game, say, listen, mm -hmm. can you not tell everybody that we didn't know the rules? Just don't do that. Just save me some mm -hmm. hassle here, bro. Because uh, that's the only flaw that I can see. Because I don't think that the finger pointing is necessarily, hey, you would have won the game. Like, I'm mm -hmm. sure some people are saying that. But for me, it's more, you didn't have your team prepared for every single situation. Because right. think of, like, the Army and, like, the armed forces. Don't they prepare them for, like, every single scenario, like, the worst possible situations? And so they go into combat, you know, expecting the unexpected. 
So I think that's the bottom line for me is this is the biggest game of the year. You had plenty of time to prepare. There wasn't a 15-minute window where you could sit the team down and say, hey, these are the rules for overtime. It's a little different in the Super Bowl, I know, but here is a basic explainer. I'm going to send you home with flashcards. I, I think you're right in that the op optics are bad. I guess what I keep coming down to when I look at this is how would it have affected the Niners' performance? I mean, truly, because even if you don't know the rules, right, mm -hmm. you still need to get on the field and execute. You're still trying to score a touchdown. Kyle Shanahan is still calling your plays. So you can get a quick explainer on the sidelines, and I'm with you. The Niners needed to know these rules. That's part of preparation. But ultimately, it's not like these rules meant they forgot how to play the game. It's like, all right, I'm not really sure how overtime works. What I do know is we got to execute here. We got to drive down the field, and we got to get points. So even if they weren't completely aware of how the overtime rules work, you still have to execute. So for me, I, I go back and say, look, if you want to focus on this, we're, we're so intent on laying the blame at someone's feet. And you see this all the time. Like, who can we blame for this loss? Who can we blame for the Niners losing in overtime? Uh, you know what it was? It was definitely not deferring on the coin toss. I don't know. Maybe it was Christian McCaffrey fumbling in the first quarter when the Niners were driving down the field. Maybe it was that special teams gaffe that gave the Chiefs a touchdown because they were deep in Niners territory. Like there's so many things that go into a football game and all Kyle Shanahan did was go with what now to his credit, they examined the analytics before the game. Maybe the players weren't aware, but Kyle Shanahan examined the analytics before the game and said, if we win the coin toss, we are taking the football. This is part of our strategy. So Kyle Shanahan did what he wanted to do. The players needed to go out and execute. They didn't. They got beat by Patrick Mahomes. I think that's what I keep coming back to. You can say, what about this? What about that? You just got beat by Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. That's the bottom line for me. Did any of yeah. this stop Patrick Mahomes? No, it doesn't matter right. if Patrick Mahomes was going first, second, or third. Patrick Mahomes is inevitable, and I feel like that mm -hmm. game-winning drive still would have been there. But there are plenty of decisions that coaches have to make throughout the game, and they're not always going to hit at 100% rate. Like, what if the final play call, the corn dog player, whatever they called it for the <laughs> Kansas City Chiefs, corn what dog. if that hadn't come through? Would people be questioning the play call from Andy Reid? Maybe. So it's yeah. just, it's very easy to have hindsight and say, well, this was the wrong call just because it didn't work out. Like nobody knows this concept better than betters. Isn't it terrible when people say, well, you should have been on this. Well, I didn't know this before the game. I didn't know it was not going to work out. <laughs> so it's very easy for people in the off season to play Monday morning quarterback. Yeah, I agree. And and Andy Reid, I thought, was very classy in his response because he was asked about this, and he said, I'm not going to question Kyle Shanahan. He said he's brilliant, What? He, he, which maybe he's using some hyperbole, but ultimately, it's a coin flip, and you didn't lose this game because you decided to take the football in overtime. You lost this game because you ran into a dynasty. That's why you lost this game. And as the game went on, I kept saying to myself, you guys are blowing some opportunities here. And if you give Patrick Mahomes long enough, if you give him a long enough leash and you play long enough in this game without taking advantage of these opportunities, coin flip or no, 
he's going to beat you. And to me, that's what I'm going to come back and think about. I'm not going to look back five, six years from now and say, oh, God, Kyle Shanahan blew it. Why do you take the football in OT? I think it's – you're right. This is absolute sports talk fodder, and it gives us something to talk about, which is fine. It's interesting, but I certainly don't blame Kyle Shanahan. Although, what do you think Kyle Shanahan is thinking about this now? Because he has an entire offseason to sit and think and second guess because here's the bottom line. As much as we say, like, we would have made this decision or whatever, don't we yeah. feel like Kyle Shanahan would try to make the best decision at the time? Nobody had more writing in this game than Kyle Shanahan. So, of course, he did what he thought was the right call. That's the bottom line. Like, he wasn't trying to yeah. lose this game. And so, you know, if there is any inkling of doubt, like, he's probably sitting there himself thinking about it. But at the time, this is the decision that he wanted to make. And he just got bested by one of the best players to ever play the game. That's the bottom line for me. You're going against Patrick Mahomes. What are you going to do? Yeah, he's 0 for 3 in Super Bowls. 0 and 2 as a head coach. 0 and 1 as a coordinator. Who has beaten him? Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, my God, that's about as difficult as it gets. So I, again, it's easy to, to lay blame here. And also, he had this planned out. This was the plan before the game. He was going to do this no matter what. I just, this is, there are great players. There are great coaches. And it's not to say that he won't win one. He's still got a mm -hmm. long, long, long road ahead of him as a head coach. Remember, it took Andy Reid himself a long time to win a Super Bowl, like 20-something years. And he was a great head coach for a long time. And now we're saying, oh, this guy's a Hall of Famer. Kyle Shanahan is still plenty young enough to get back to the big game and win. But right now, he's going up against a generational quarterback. Coming up next here on the show, football might be over, but the streaming never stops. I want you to get comfy, settle in for a trip to my Netflix corner. That's next on The Daily Tip from BetQL, presented by BetMGM. Stay right there. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Let's get back to the Daily Tip with Chelsea Messenger and Michael Jenkins presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. One, two, three, four. Welcome back. Great to have you guys with us on the Daily Tip from BetQL, presented by BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Send me my robe. She's Chelsea Messenger. I'm Michael Jenkins. Coming up, please join me for a journey into the world of streaming. It is Jinx's Netflix Corner. It's that time of year. Football's over. Everyone's streaming something, so we'll talk about it, maybe have some recommendations, discuss what we like, what we don't like. Before we get into that, I have to tell you how much better I'm feeling this morning, because Chelsea, yesterday, it was a cavalcade of errors. When my computer went down for like, I don't know how long it was, like seven or eight minutes, but I started the show where I don't know what was going on. First of all, I was exhausted. We were all exhausted from staying up late and watching the Super Bowl, so I'm tired anyway, and then... I get on my computer. I'm ready to do the show. I'm running late because I'm having computer issues. I'm like, all right, I got this figured out. And then I realize as we're going on the air that I can't 
adjust to hear you in my headphones, which means the only way I can hear you is through a speaker. And if that happens, then you get echo on the air because I'm speaking and it's coming right back in my face. So at the start of the show, I would have to speak, mute you for a second, and then not say anything, and then unmute, listen to what you were saying, get ready to speak, and go back and forth while I was figuring this out with my mouse, which was going haywire, and my mouse wasn't working, so I couldn't scroll. So I couldn't scroll. I could barely hear you. I couldn't figure out how to get the sound in my headphones, and then I make it through the first segment. I plow through, and I'm like, all right, let me, let me figure out what's going on here. I got to reset. Then my mouse freaks out even more. My computer restarts. And as I'm, and you did a great job covering, by the way, as I'm trying to get back online, I run into my background here and knock it over. I mean, if you had a video of me, I mean, it was just like, what is happening right now? This is on the floor. I'm stumbling over the background. My mouse isn't working. I got to get on the air. (sighs) I'm getting stressed out thinking about it. So today, logging on, everything's fine was a little bit easier than the first 30 minutes of yesterday's show, which I mean was just a nightmare. Sometimes you have mornings like that where just everything is going bad, and that's how it went for me yesterday. So I am much happier that things are calmer this morning. Well, to your credit, I didn't even know all that was going on. I will say, meanwhile, I was doing a seven to eight minute monologue, (laughs) which I was kind of unprepared for. Uh, But it was fine. It's the Super Bowl. Like There was plenty of things to talk about. But Jenks, in the broadcasting business, it's always funny to me the way that you kind of apply for jobs because you send in what they call like a demo reel and you put together a highlight package, like all your best moments, you know, where you're sounding smooth and crisp hair and makeup looks awesome. But I feel like the moments where you can tell, you know, somebody is really good and valuable at their job is when everything goes wrong. You know, and isn't that the same deal in life? Like when everything's going right, of course you can be a great person. Of course things are going to, you know, look good for you. But how do you respond when things start going wrong? So it's wild to me that that is how you like apply for jobs in, you know, broadcasts because it's not a good indicator Mm -hmm. of like your overall talent, I feel like. Oh, I think that's a great point. And also too, when you make these demo reels, they're very short, right? And they've gotten shorter mm-hmm. where you're talking about, what, six minutes? There's been all sorts of arguments over the years. Should it be longer, shorter, whatever. However, let's say you work for three hours a day like we do. Mm-hmm. Less commercials, but you know what I mean. And you're, you're putting together this much content, and it's like, hey, I bet I can find six minutes of me sounding pretty good. You know what I mean? Like most people can do that. So you never know if it's fully representative of someone's body of work or not. It might be, but it might not be because you would think if you're on the air long enough, regardless of whether you're in TV, radio, whatever, if you're doing it long enough, you should be able to come up with a few minutes where you sound like a million bucks. Right. It's similar to social media. You know, people who just put their best pictures And their best foot forward. And it's not a great indicator of their lives. So it's, you know, trickled over to that part of life. And it's just, it's frustrating when you see social media with somebody's life who looks really perfect. When you see somebody's demo reel that looks amazing, you're like, wow, like I do this three hour show and I trip over my words occasionally. I can't think of the right word. I use the wrong verb tense on this word. But again, (laughs) we are doing this off the cuff for three hours it is a little different than reading like a teleprompter for 30 to 45 seconds 
Correct. Yeah, it's a totally different way of doing things. So <sighs> I'm just glad yesterday's over. Oh my God. That's that's the that, I, that's the most stressful part of the job because your job is because things can and do go wrong. And when they do, your job is to say to yourself, I have to find a way to act like everything is great, even though it's not great mm -hmm. right now. I was dying yesterday. Oh my God, thank God that day's over. Woo, Chelsea, come on into the corner. Pull up a chair. Let's talk about what's streaming on Netflix right now. Are you watching? I just watched The Greatest Night in Pop, and I probably talked about this a little bit. Now, if you're sort of an 80s child like I am, I was born in 73, but I grew up in the 80s when We Are the World and USA for Africa was a thing, and I'm very much of the belief that 1984 in particular was the greatest year in music. And you can read about that year being the greatest year in music, and this happened in 85, and this is a behind-the-scenes look at how that went down and how it came together, and I absolutely cannot recommend it enough. It's remarkable to watch because of all the star power. But let me ask you first, what have you watched lately on any streaming service that you would recommend and you're like, you know what, this is worth, this is worth a whirl. Jenks, I'm not, I'm normally somebody who is not big on streaming shows just because I'm busy and I watch a lot of sports. Mm -hmm. So it is very hard to comb through the entire catalog of Netflix and find something that you like. But we're mm -hmm. going to London in April and I wanted to brush up on my London knowledge and my England and UK knowledge. So I had been watching The Crown. And listen, the oh. first two seasons, so good. And it's a great combination of learning the history of the country while also, you know, it's entertaining. And it's a great window into, I think, the personalities of like the royal family. I think it's based uh, more squarely on Queen Elizabeth, the one that just died. And it's just kind of okay. her in her younger years. But here's the big question. In season three, they started using an entirely different cast. And I had fallen in love, you know, with oh. the, the actors that have been playing uh, Queen Elizabeth, Prince Philip, all of these characters. And then they said, okay, well, we're showing her whole life. We need to have somebody who's older to show the older years. But... This is supposed to be Queen Elizabeth when she's like 38. It's a one-year gap. So they go from this actress that looks, you know, in her 30s, pretty young, big, bright blue eyes. And they go to this lady that looks considerably older and has brown eyes. If you, what? you know, change characters, wouldn't you want them to at least resemble each other? This is completely yes. throwing me for a loop. I've never experienced this. That's bizarre. It, the only thing I can think of that this reminds me of is when Batman Begins went to The Dark Knight and they made the transition from Katie Holmes to Maggie Gyllenhaal. So it was a different, uh, it was the same character, but at least they used someone who looked similar. So it was, it wasn't jarring. It was like, oh, this is a different person, but they were similar enough looking where you could buy it. Do you know what I mean? See, I didn't even know they were supposed to be the same person. That shows how closely I paid attention to the Batman <laughs> movies. They're also like three hours long. So like, mm, yes. good luck getting me to pay attention for that long. But I feel like you have to have the viewer in mind. Because if you're going to change mm -hmm. the actor, like maybe just make it a different person. I don't know. I was definitely thrown for a loop because now I have to like mentally remember, okay, this is the person that's playing the queen mm -hmm. and remember everything that goes along with it. Are you somebody who staunchly believes 
And like, there are certain actors that play certain roles the best. Cause I think of Spider-Man and people love doing this where they're, they're saying, you know, this was the best Spider-Man and I haven't seen all of them, but I do think mm -hmm. Tobey Maguire was very good. Like he seemed to embody like the innocence of Peter Parker, but do you ever like rank the, the actors that play these big roles? Cause a lot of times it's superheroes. Like I know Batman, like Christian Bale, a lot of people like Christian Bale. But were there any other actors that you liked playing Batman? Oh, oh yeah, Michael Keaton. I love Michael Keaton. He's the original Batman. And I think he had a bit part as Batman or has a bit part coming up in a new DC Comics film. I forget what it is. But I love the way he played that role because he was... He wasn't as dark as Christian Bale. He had a little sense of humor to him. So Michael Keaton mm -hmm. was the original, and I just love everything that he does. So oh, he was in The Flash. That's what it was. That's what I was thinking of. But yeah, I love Michael Keaton as Batman. Yeah. So now that I don't like the new character actors, <laughs> I might have to find something else. So since this is Jenks's Netflix corner, let's try to handicap this. How right. do you go about looking on Netflix and choosing the series that's right for you? Can you give me a step-by-step -step process? Oh, well, I tried to use, I don't use it a lot, but I use the Netflix algorithm a little bit where you thumbs up something if you like it or you don't. So the recommendations get a little bit better. I'm very, I'm very, I would say I'm very, not delicate, but I, I don't like to hand that out. Like, oh, I like this. I like this. I like this. So I, I hand those out just a little bit at a time. Like if I really like something, I'm like, okay, maybe this will help me here. But if I sort of like something, I'm not going to like it. And honestly, I kind of know what I like. I have a pretty good idea about the things that I like and that I don't like. I really like documentaries. And so when I loaded up The Greatest Night in Pop, I'm like, oh, my God, I love I absolutely love music, learning about music. And I love documentaries. I love things that are based on actual historical events. I love true crime. I like mystery. I like action. But I don't want to I don't like mediocre movies, honestly, that are just like, let's throw this on. It'll be decent because Ugh, I don't have enough time just to Netflix. watch. I know it is. And so you have to be really careful. So I'm very particular about what I like. And so I usually spend probably more time than most people looking at something that I really want to watch because some people will fire it up and be like, oh, this looks good. This is top 10. I'm not like that. I'll go through and I'll spend an extra five, 10 minutes to find something that I really like that I think I'm going to like, but that's not always the case. The next time I'll talk about watching the movie X, which was porn slash horror on Netflix. Oh, no. And Catherine picked it out. And let me tell you something. About midway through, she looks at me and she goes, you're not going to let me pick any more movies, are you? And I was like, I don't know, honey. It's not trending in that way. Coming up next, we dive headfirst into the NBA schedule with two of the best covering teams in the league going at it. It is a Daily Dip from BetQL presented by Adam Jim. For more, listen to The Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9 Eastern on the BetQL Network, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts.